depth statement right now. It may be difficult to grasp the enormity of this statement, but if you can, please open your mind for this statement. Wickedness is wrong. That's hard. Difficult to grasp that. I think all of us know that wickedness is wrong. But you must also avoid association with wicked persons. And you have to reject their lifestyles as well. Solomon warned his son against evil friends and their habits. For he wanted him to stay in the way of wisdom and in the right path, according to, uh, again, chapter 4, 10 through 13 of Proverbs. The way of the wicked is dangerous and hopeless, verses 16 through 19. Stay far away from it, 415. You cannot, there is no way that you can embrace lady wisdom and enjoy her benefits while you're walking with sinners. It's impossible. You can't do that. And that is why so many people fall away from God is because they do not totally embrace wisdom by stepping away from the sinners. Now, when I say this, I am in no way, shape, or form telling you not to be a witness. We can be a witness. But it's when sinners begin to affect us, and we know that, when we begin to think it's okay for them what they do. It's okay, uh, you know, their lifestyle is okay for them. It's not okay for them. And it's not okay for you to be a part of what that is, nor for you to think it's okay for them. It's not in any way. So we cannot embrace that and be wise. This, this, this simple rule is crucial, and especially for youth. Because youth are, are more, well, I, I want to say they're most acceptable, but not in every term. But by and large, I guess they are. But I've seen people who I thought was wiser than what they really are get involved in evil when they should have known better. But by and large, youth are more susceptible to evil, uh, especially influences of peer pressure that come against them. They're more impressionable by what they see on television, which is nothing but glamorization of the way of the wicked. And that's all it really is. They are more vulnerable to the insinuations and the subtle instructions of false teachers. Uh, this, this simple rule is crucial. Be not deceived. I taught on this in our cell meeting this past, uh, this past Friday. Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Now, it's according to 1 Corinthians 15.33. A, the term communication is not what we think of as communication. Uh, it simply means a group of companions, company, a crowd, or a gang, if you would. The term manners means customs, morals, and character. So looking at it in that way, be not deceived, evil communication, being around the wrong people, being around the wrong company, being around a, a group of, of the wrong type of people or gang, if you would, corrupt good morals or character. You don't hang out with bad people and expect to have good manners or to expect to keep good moral character. It can't happen. You continue to hang out with them, you will finally embrace their ways. That's just that simple. Now, why the warning about deception? Because it says, be not deceived. It starts with that. Be not deceived. Don't let somebody deceive you into thinking that you can be a part of something like that and not have it affect you. Be not deceived. Now, that's the warning. Most, most people think they can, they can resist the seduction of ungodly persons. Others think they can influence evil friends to righteousness by embracing and being a part of what they are. Going back again, you don't hang out at places that God delivered you from when you received the Holy Ghost. You don't hang out in those places. You don't associate with somebody who, who still does something that you enjoy doing while you were in the world. It's one thing to have a friend out there that you both go out and do things that are okay. It's something different when that person is carrying a, a fifth in his back pocket all the time when you used to like to drink that way. Eventually, he's going to offer it to you and you're going to take it. Now, I, I made that statement last week before I left. And, uh, a white, you know, you can't, 
a white glove and mud will always get muddy, but the mud will never get glovey. And that's exactly right. It won't happen. Be not deceived. David put it this way. He said, Blessed is a man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. In Psalm 1 and 1. This rule would have saved Lot in Genesis 13 and 10. It would have saved Dinah in Genesis 34. It would have saved Solomon in 1 Kings 11. It would have saved Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles 18. And it would have saved Peter in Matthew 26. So let me ask this. Would that same rule also save you? If it would have saved them, it would do the same for us. If we make that a part of our character, if we make that a part of our makeup, I'll be there as a witness, but you're going to know who I am. Do you understand that? When I'm in your presence and you're not living for God, I, I, won't, I won't jump on you, I won't condemn you, I won't do anything, but you're going to know what I stand for. And you see, that's the problem. We do not allow people to know what we stand for, but when we do, attitudes can change. I've said this many times, and I remember when I came to God, I, 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 went, I went to work on, on a Friday, and I was drinking. We used to drink on the job down at Four Winds. That was part of the job. And uh, you just hope you didn't get so drunk you didn't fall into the lake and drown. And so we used to do that. And then I'd come back on Monday, and, and the same people that were offering me booze from their boats, I didn't take it any longer. And it was pure hell for about six months. I had everybody doing everything, but when that six-month time period came up and I did not give in, then everybody's attitude changed. Now, had I given in, then I would have I'd been nothing but a, I'd have left a bad stench in the nostrils of everybody concerning apostolic Pentecostals. I'm sorry, folks, if I'm, I'm overboard on this, I will probably continue to be so. I, God, I, the Holy Ghost God gave me changed me. If he's given a different Holy Ghost now, then I don't know. I don't want anything to do with it. Now, that's the truth. God changed me, and I believe my God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the same Holy Ghost I got 20-plus years ago, I, he still hands that out today. God is serious about this. He's very serious about this. Do not even enter the path of the wicked. But if you find yourself there, do not go any further with them. Get out. Are you compromising this, this rule? You know, where do you, where do you, where do you, where do you hang out? We only marry in the Lord. What school have you chosen? How righteous are your friends? What do you read? Listen to me. I know this is a tough one. I'm, I'm going I'm to throw this out there, and I know this is a hard one sometimes. But even in the place that you live, what kind of influence is that area going to have on your children? What's, what, kind of, what kind of influence is it going to have? What do I need to give up in order for me to change where I live in order for my children to have the best effect in their lives? Think about it. And let's take it one step further. Is there family you need to avoid? Oh, no, are, are you listening? I guarantee you, I won't ask you, but, but there are certain members of, uh, of uh, our families that we're probably best to stay away from. You know, God saved me from a bad, fighting, angry spirit. And if I go around some family members, guess what comes back on me? Is that good preaching? Is that right? There's some things you need to stay away from. I am not going to associate with a family member that tries to pull me down or, or make, I'm, you know, we, I, I, I raised my children. We had some problems with family members. You know, they tried to get our kids to uh, do certain things and dress certain ways that we did not believe in. And we stayed firm. I don't want them to be alienated from them, but there are certain things I let them know right point blank. You don't go around them. You don't do that. That's not right. And you need to let them know that. <laughs> Stay away from the way of the wicked. Now... He's serious about separation from the wicked. 
And you can see this. You know, you, I, I can give you a million scriptures here. Second Chronicles 19, Psalms 10, Romans 16, 1 Corinthians 5, 2 Corinthians 6, Galatians 1, Ephesians 5, 1 Thessalonians 3, 1 Timothy 6, 2 Timothy 3, Titus 3, James 4, Revelations 18. You cannot go out of the you cannot go out of the world. 1 Corinthians 5, 9 and 10, but you must not conform to it. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Are you are you there? You can't conform to it. I got to live in the world, but I do not have to conform to the world. And 1 John 2, 15 and 17, if you would, please. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world, and the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. He abideth forever. There are certain areas, there are certain attitudes we need to project, and there are certain things we need to stay away from. Again, I believe that a a Holy Ghost-filled child of God can have such an aura of the Spirit about them that they can affect those that they're around. That should never be vice versa. And I believe we can attain to that. If what God has already given us in the Holy Ghost, I don't need God to pass out some kind of special blessing from above to make me be able to live in this world. I got all I needed when I got up after I spoke in tongues. Are you with me? The first time, the second time, and every day I speak in tongues. I do not fail. Every day God renews me. It gives me the ability to go out and affect the world, not for the world to affect me. So, what is the lifestyle of the wicked? Habits and preferences that promote sin. You can judge activities and places by those using them, by the way. Are you with me? Without analyzing rock and roll music directly, look at the artists, the producers, and listeners. Does that not condemn it? For they're wicked, one and all. There's, there's no reason to study. Uh, there's no reason to, you know, we don't have to go and end up study on the local nightclub and bar. Right? Those who build them and use them, the Bible says, those people love darkness. They love it. Over 50 verses, it tells us to separate from the wicked. There are over 50 different verses. And now that, that was, that's probably a minimum. That directly speaks of it, but there's a lot of things that allude to it, a lot of verses that do allude to that. So how can you pray, lead us not into temptation, but neglect, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation? Do you need friends? Then you need to make, you make them, you make, you make friends out of good people, good men who will provoke you to godliness, according to Psalm 119, 63 and Titus 1. I want people to provoke me to godliness. And there is scripture that says that. Someone who, who, who pushes me to do right. Someone who, who, who I can always depend on that's going to, to do the right thing and look at me and say, you know, we can do this. We can overcome this. We can, we can make it to heaven. We can, we can live godly lives. We can, we can walk hand in hand with angels. We can see people one to God. We can be a part of it. I want someone to tell me that. I don't want someone to tell me I'm just barely hanging on. I don't want someone to tell me how difficult it is to serve God. It's not difficult to serve God when you've made up your mind to really serve God, not just a loot, not just a set in a pew, but really serve God with all your heart. You know, a true church will provide more friends with godly influence than you can ever, ever rightly love and serve it really will happen that way proverbs 4 verse 18 proverbs 4 verse 18 but the path of the just this is a great verse is like a shining light that shineth more and more unto a perfect day let's say it again but the path of just is as the shining light i said that wrong a moment ago that shineth more and more unto the perfect day now pay attention to that verse Look at it again. If it's not behind me, it needs to come up behind me again. Proverbs 4.18. This proverb is for your life. This is your life. God confronts every man with truth at a few crucial, crucial points in his life. There are times, crucial times, in your life that he will confront you with truth. Now, when I say that, I'm not talking about 
just the time that God convicts you of sin and convicts you of your lifestyle and you come down to this altar and repent, God fills you with the Holy Ghost and we baptize you in Jesus' name. I'm talking about even more than that. There are times in your relationship with God as you grow that He will confront you with areas in your life that need to be changed. Now follow me. Most men rebel and reject those times. And He just blinds them in perpetual darkness to some or to all truth when that happens. Good men rejoice and obey the truth that he offers, and he rewards them with further light and understanding. You don't reject light and expect to find something higher up the pole. Do you understand what I'm saying? You don't jump over one point of truth to get to a higher point of truth. That's why, that we, that's why that we constantly get in this area uh, of revival and we feel everything is right there and we're about to move into something greater and grander when we're not gonna ha- it's not going to happen because too many of us reject what God is doing in our lives then. And because we reject that time of truth, we know that there's more that we can have in our lives personally. But we never attain, so we get frustrated. And our frustration is not in God. It's not in leadership. Our frustration should be in us. What have I rejected that's stopping me from going further? What am I doing that's stopping me from from going further? So good men rejoice and obey the truth that He offers. And He rewards them with further light. And His light leads them ever onward to more truth until they reach the day of a perfect understanding of heaven. And I believe that perfect understanding of heaven will, will come at the rapture of the church. But I do believe we can have more of an understanding than we have now. I believe we can, we can gain more in, in, in every avenue. It's so sad when people never seem to grow. They always are staying at that same eggplant level. They never seem to grow out of it. Solomon, in context, warned his son against the path of the wicked. And he told him not to enter, in, enter it or pass by it. He told him to avoid it, turn from it, get away from it. And after giving him that wonderful description of the path of the just in our proverb, he told him that the path of the wicked is darkness and don't even know, and, and they don't even know what trips them up. They don't even understand it because they're walking in darkness. Why do I continue to fall? Why can I, 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 I get that next area that I need? Why do I stay at that same area level, if you would, whatever you want to call it? It's because you're walking in darkness and you can't see what you're stepping on. So you continue to trip over the same thing over and over and over again. There's sufficient evidence in the visible creation to know there is a God with eternal power and Godhead. Romans 1, 18 through 20. Great scripture. Great oneness scripture. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Notice this. Who hold the truth in unrighteousness. You didn't think you could hold the truth in unrighteousness, did you? But you can because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Everything that we look at in creation can show us that there is one God. Everything we see, every, every, every tree, every blade of grass, every drop of water, everything that is there shows us the eternal power and the God headquarters, which is in Jesus Christ. It shows us this. This is what he's saying here. It's, it's wonderful to know that. That's, uh, that's, that's great. But let's look at the other side of it. Men are, the Bible says men are without excuse. They have no excuse not to understand God and the power of God. But when they become vain in their thoughts and they reject this knowledge, God darkens their hearts and gives them up to ignorant thinking and conduct, according to Romans 1, 21 through 23. This is the root cause. Follow me. This is the root cause of the perversion of sodomy. Gay lifestyles, lesbians. I'm not supposed to say this politically correct, but queer acting people. 
I just said queer acting, right? Romans 1, 24 through 27. I want to be politically correct. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves who changed the truth of God into a lie and worship and serve the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause God gave them up into vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another. Men with men, working that which is unseen and receiving in themselves the recompense of their error which was meet. So that lets you know that this is why when men, when men's heart becomes darkened, when they turn away from truth, when they quit seeing the goodness of God, that next level is what this is telling us here. That's where it happens. Why is our society, why is our world so full of this kind of action today? Why is it full of this? It's because men have rejected God. And when you reject God, then your life is full of darkness. You consider Pharaoh. He rejected the Lord even though Moses had brought powerful signs and plagues upon this, his nation. Therefore God hardened his heart and he foolishly took his chariot down into the Red Sea to his own destruction. Now what blinded him to the obvious danger of such a choice? Why would he see that when God was showing him? What, what blinded him? Exodus 14, 4 through 17 says that God blinded him. Now I'm going somewhere and you need to follow this. God blinded Pharaoh because of the darkness that had been in his heart, even though he'd seen the plagues, even though he knew the power of God. There was a time prior to this that he would not allow Israel to go free. And because of this, God purposely blinded him. God also confronts men with truth from the Bible, and if they reject the truth for any reason... He will blind their understanding and leave them to the deceit and delusions of their own hearts and other men. Now, God promised to deceive prophets when men came to inquire them of them with idols in their hearts. Ezekiel 14, verse 4, I believe that's what I gave you. This is a great scripture. Therefore, speak unto them. And say unto them, now I want you to look at this closely. Thus saith the Lord God, every man of the house of Israel that setteth up. Now I want you to note where he set the idol up. He didn't talk about setting up a big old uh, uh, stone idol in his, front, in his front room. He said, any man that setteth up his idols in his heart and putteth the stumbling block of his iniquity before his face and cometh to the prophet, I, the Lord, will answer him that cometh according to the multitude of his idols. In other words, what he's saying, I will speak through that prophet and tell him exactly what he wants to hear. Now, I'm not going to go through a lot of Scripture. You need to read that particular passage of Scripture, that chapter. But it goes on to say that if the prophet believes the lie that he's prophesying, to this man who has set up idols in his heart, then God will judge that prophet. So it's a possibility for God to put something in the prophet's heart that agrees with this man, even though it's a lie. You understand what I'm saying? Because this man had an idol. In other words, I want what I want, so God says, I'll give it to you. Think about what I'm saying. I'm going somewhere. Jesus spoke in parables to harden the hearts of the Jews. Look at Matthew 13, 10 through 17. And the disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? He answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given, for whosoever hath to him shall be given, and he, and he shall have more abundance, but whosoever hath not from him shall be taken away even that he hath. Go on to the next one. Therefore speak I to them in parables, because they seeing, they see not. Now look, hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, By hearing you shall hear, and shall not understand. Isaiah said this. And seeing you shall see, and shall not perceive. For this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and should understand with their hearts, and should be converted, and I should heal them. Go on. 
But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For verily I say unto you, that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which you see, and have not seen them, and to hear those things which you hear, and not heard them. What is he saying? He's saying he spoke to them in parables to confuse the people who thought they were wise. I'm taking you somewhere. Keep following me. You need to remember this, because I'm going to throw something at you in a minute. It's going to really upset you. And God sends strong delusions to cause men to believe lies when they reject the truth he offers. You can read that in 2 Thessalonians 2, 9 through 12. I've just given you three different scriptures out of the mouth of two or three witnesses that every word be established. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. And I know where you're going to go with this, but we're going to have, we're going to, have to get there because this, this, is, this, is, this is hard on us. Is God the author of confusion? Is God the author? I just read you three scriptures. Is God the author of confusion? Some of you big Bible scholars out here, you better, you, better, you better watch me. I may be off the book. I just give you three scriptures. Is God the author of confusion? Is God the author of confusion? I just read to you. You're basing all your premise on one scripture. Now, now, wait a minute. Let's go to... Let's, 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 let's just take... I, I ask you a question. Let's take a little bit further. Because <clears throat> I believe that God is the author of confusion. He started it. He been, now, I told you, you better, better go down to the local denominal church get all straightened out here. <clears throat> he owes no man the truth. Does he? Does he owe you the truth? He doesn't, does he? And he will withhold truth and light from the man who squanders or rejects truth. Am I not correct? Now, the Tower of Babel, what happened there? Confusion. Who authored that? Okay, now, I'll get you to your scriptures, so don't worry about it. Those of you people, you've been hearing all this for so long, you've heard it all wrong, haven't you? Because, you know, I get up and say, I've quoted the same scripture until I got to looking at this. He's not the author of confusion, but of peace. Okay, let's, let's go to that scripture. Let's look at it in its context. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 33. I don't think I gave that to you, but get it real quickly. You're young and you've got all kinds of, of abilities and you work with that stuff all the time. 1 Corinthians 14, 33. You're not there yet? You're not there yet? Is it there? Oh! For God is not the author. Italics, notice. Italics. Okay, let's look at it this way. <clears throat> when you see italics in this, that means it was inserted with the translators. So let's get it without it. For God is not confusion, but peace. As in, now look at this. As in what? As in what? Well, it's the same thing. That is italics. It's the same thing. Well, it's, when it's like that, it means it was inserted by the... It's bracketed. It's because this thing is wrong. My Bible's right. It's got italics on it. All right. Okay. He's not the author of confusion in the church. Do you have that? Okay. Well, you probably are. <laughs> now, the Tower of Babel and the confusion there are not only true historical facts, but also an indication of judgment on men pursuing their own agenda. Do you understand that? If we go back, going back to 1433, if you read down through that 14th uh, chapter, 1 Corinthians, you're going to see how you're supposed to behave yourself within the church, how tongues were to be regulated, how the prophets, and it talks about all the various aspects of the church. God is not the author of confusion in the church, but if a person rejects God, he can confuse him and cause him to walk in darkness. Now that's Scripture. So, yes, he can confuse people, and he does confuse people. But there's no confusion within the church if the church is being ordered and done correctly. 
That is the right thing. You see, that's where we get up and you say God's not the author of confusion. And people go out and they're not living right and they're all confused. And they say, well, this is not of God. So when God is trying to bring them back the way he should be, bring, the, the, the place they need to be, and they, they don't go there because God's not the author of confusion. Do you understand the concept? Because people then don't listen to God because they're confused. And they say, God's not the author of confusion. God is the author of confusion when you're not living right, and He's trying to bring you back into right relationship with Him. When you're in the church, and you're having a church service, God is not the author of confusion. If somebody gets up and causes confusion, that person, according to the Scripture, needs to be regulated in some manner. That is the difference. God... This is, I, I've often wondered what it would be like to really be in an apostolic church where you had the authority, the liberty to be able to do and say, I wonder how much God would really honor that. Now, I know we're, we're supposed to be apostolic Pentecostals, but we don't do things nearly the way they, they used to. We don't see the, the love the mercy and the and the power and that's one aspect of it. We see mostly judgment in the church. I, I know you're you're probably thinking I'm crazy, but I look, I see how people are act, I see how people the problems they get into, and I see judgment in their lives, reaping what they sow. And because of that judgment, and because we misinterpret Scripture, they think that confusion is not of God. Thus, they pull themselves away. I see people with sickness in their lives, and they don't recognize it as God judgment or maybe a poor term but we don't like term judgment you know judgment we think of fire coming out of heaven and all that but there's judgment in reaping as well so we don't we don't we don't see that people never get any better that's why they jump from one church to the other because they get in a situation they get confused because God's trying to get them back and to admit they got a problem so he can do something in their lives but they don't they think well I'm just confused God's not the author of confusion he's not the author of confusion in a church service but he can confuse you if you're under judgment and you don't pay attention to what he's trying to teach you Please understand that because if you do understand that you'll go so much further in the kingdom of God You'll have a whole lot less trouble. God won't have to continue to cycle you. Time I think of that term cycle. It's scared to death that basic training, weren't you? You're going to be recycled. You're going to be recycled. You don't pass this test, you're going to be recycled. Three and a half weeks into, into, into basic training, you had to take so many tests. Physical tests, you know, physical training, whatever else we had to take. I had to take map reading, all this kind of stuff. Oh, you know, if you pass it now, you don't have to worry about it later. So you passed everything you possibly could at the middle of the cycle. You don't want to be recycled. And I see people in the church being recycled constantly. I mean, you could go down. You're, you're green as you can be. You believe in recycling. <laughs> constantly, same problem, same problem. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be hard. I'm trying to tell you how to overcome some areas in your life. Look at it. Accept it. If God's trying to show you something and you're under judgment, then accept the fact you're judging. Correct the problem. It's good preaching. Thank you. Whether you like it or not. You know, one of the greatest incentives, I believe, personally, this is one of the greatest incentives to obey all truth that you're shown. You will either bless... He will either bless your obedience with more light or judge your disobedience by taking away the light that you think you have. And he will do that according to Luke 8.18. This light is not furnished to every man, for it shines only upon the path of the just. It is not for the backslider. It's not for the hypocrite or the carnal compromiser. The spiritual light of God, which brings wisdom, truth, and understanding, is for the just. The man who turns from his own foolish thoughts to do the perfect will of God. Now, how does a perfect day, how does a perfect day develop? Think about this. If, if you want to know how you need to grow in God, this is the, one of the best scriptures to help you. How does a perfect day develop? Anybody want to raise your hands and tell me how a perfect day develops? I'm sure everybody has some, some insight on this. Perfect day developing. How does a perfect day develop? Tomorrow is going to be a perfect day. It's going to be 120 by 1 o'clock in the afternoon. So how will that perfect day begin to develop? Anybody? Huh? 
Anybody? Come on, raise your hands. How does a perfect day develop? Now, don't think spiritual. I'm telling how does a perfect day develop? Go ahead. You, you've got a lot to say tonight, so we'll just see how you... <laughs> Do what? See? This is the per. No, that fits perfectly. That goes to the next part of what i got to teach. People who like sleep too much. Okay? All right. How does a perfect day develop? Now, you're not thinking. You're, you're thinking. You're thinking in your own carnal way. Go ahead. See, we're, we're trying to be too spiritual, too in, much inside here. Go ahead. It's a pretty good day if you wake up in the morning. Now, that's it. All right, let's start. Let's, 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 let's progress here. First off, those of you who don't sleep in. Huh? You know, you get up, you got your coffee in your hand, you walk out. There's just that little glow in the east. That's how it begins. Then before long, you see just the tip of the sun coming up. And then as it progresses, the day gets brighter, 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 brighter. Right? This is exactly what he's talking about, a perfect day. Our, our relationship with God is exactly like that. It begins, with, it begins with just a little bit of a glow in the east. Then the sun begins to come up. God begins to, as you can accept light, light gets brighter. As you enjoy what God is doing, light gets brighter. That's what a perfect day is all about. That's why he used this. You know, but the, the darkness will, will soon give way to light. And, and the sun rises from the horizon, drive away all, the, all that remains of the night. And as it climbs into the sky, light increases in intensity and angle until everything is bright and clear under a noonday sun. And this is, so is the Lord upon the path of the just. He shines more and more into a perfection as a man does justly and walks humbly with God in Micah 6, 8. That's what it's saying in Micah 6, 8. It begins just a little by little. And if you accept light, it's when you reject Listen, folks, no matter how much and how, how much you think you've got things under control in your life, all of us, our lives go by pretty fast. Uh, I don't care how young you are right now. Before long, you're going to turn back and you're going to be 40, and then you're going to be 50, and then, you're, and then your, your teeth are going to fall out, and you're going to be, you know, that's the way it's going to happen. Even, even Solomon said that in the book of Ecclesiastes. So, you know, we, we, we regardless, so, so the only thing that really matters is our relationship with God and the light, the light that we can receive from Him. And more and more, and the older you become, the more that you realize the only thing that matters is making it to heaven. That's what really matters. And so, we, so as we look at this, we have to let light shine into our lives and not, not back away from it, but embrace what God has. It's the same way, and that's, that's one example. Another example is your car headlights. Now, if you are, uh, if you're you're pulling out, and it's it's dark, the time you leave work, like most people do anymore, and you have a parking garage, and it's nighttime, and you you pull out of that parking garage. When you pull on your headlights, your lights shine all the way to your home. Is that not correct? As soon as you turn them on from the, where you work, your light shines all the way. The light shines all the way to your house. Huh? That that that's not really the way it works, is it? They only shine a short distance. But as you drive, the light continues to light your way. They shine further and further. So, so, you, so you, your light is provided and it continues. It shines just a little way ahead. But as you trust your lights and, and drive forward, your light shines further ahead. And you reach your destination. Your lights guide you all the way home. As you trusted them each mile of the way. Solomon did not have car headlights, but he did have lamps for pathways in Psalm 119, 105. And that's what he's seeing. The light shines as you continue to progress. The light shines further. If you don't progress, you're never going to get to your destination. Your light only works so far. But you have to follow those lights and trust those lights. It's the same way with your relationship with God. You may not necessarily understand every little uh, teaching that comes forth. And maybe you're not quite to the point where you can grasp what the Scripture is trying to, to say to you. You're not understanding the teaching, the principle, the doctrine, whatever it may be. You may not quite get it, but if you will trust the light, 
that you have, eventually it will open up to you and you'll have even more light. That's why he's saying it. That's what he's saying in this area. And these, these two pictures of a shining light, you know, God shine, sheds more light and reveals more truth as we move forward in obedience to the truth that he's already given us. And for this reason, Solomon warns over and over again in many Proverbs to be attentive to instruction and obey it. The consequences of a disobedience are severe. Wisdom and truth are not dependent on intellect or teachers. They are dependent on faith and obedience. Intellect and, and worldly education can be a severe handicap in learning God's wisdom. A young man can easily exceed wise old men if he fears only God and trusts Him completely. In fact, Job 32, 6 through 9 tells you this. Uh, I know that we're supposed to respect our elders, but not every elder is respectable. And so this is what he's saying here in Job. He's saying just because someone has white hair on their head, it doesn't mean they've got it all together. So you have to understand that there are some sometimes you have young men that can can exceed wise uh, exceed wise old men if he truly trusts God and truly trusts in God and 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 follows him in every way. You can easily exceed your enemies, teachers and ancients by trusting God's word according to Psalm 119:98 through 100. Our Lord taught our our proverb in these words. He said if any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. In John seven seventeen, if we obey the will of God, we will know the true doctrine of God. He will reveal more truth to us, can confirm it in our hearts. Nathaniel, the apostles, the eunuch, Cornelius found much light after obedience. Many men have had to face the truth of God and rejected it for love of tradition fear of man or job security and all kinds of other snares. How many rejected a Bible baptism and ended up in infant sprinkling? Think about it. Uh, or, you know, the, I don't even go into that. How many rejected sound doctrine and ended up babbling with silly women and infeminate men in white suits? I'm sorry. I tell my wife I try to be good when I do these things, but it, evil is always present with me. And feminine men in white suits. How many loved rituals and ended up, again, sprinkling? How many chose the altar of free will, ended up trusting emotional appeals for decisional regeneration and drowning in the carnal consequences of easy believism? How many sought government assistance? You think of the you think of the you think of the of the countries right now that sought government assistance and ended up with a national church. Does that tell you something? Is our country going that same direction? I remember I, I've talked to Eldar several times, and the Russian Orthodox Church is so difficult for them to deal with when they go over to try to. To, uh, to go out on the streets and pass out tracts and invite people to church because the Russian Orthodox Church is accepted by the government. And the government established it because everybody was into communism. And that thing's still not dead. And it never will. The consequences on your soul, your family, your church from how you react to this proverb are enormous. And if you stubbornly choose your own way, the Lord of Heaven will blind you. And if you humbly submit to his word, he'll bless you with light and truth. You know, where are you today? Rejecting truth and conviction in your life? Think about this. Where, where are you? Are you are you rejecting it? How many people are, are, are listening to me right now that have rejected truth in your life and you stand at that same area not being able to accept, accept something that is so biblically correct? And you want to grow and you want to have a great relationship with God, but you can't quite get there because you still stand at that one area that you should have overcome years ago. Why are you holding on to tradition or fearing men more than you fear God? What's wrong in your life, family? What's wrong in the church? And if you see something, are you correcting it? The Bible says God will not be mocked. Most problems in every church is, is, is a problem with just a few people. And if they correct their own problems, normally the church corrects itself. That's exactly how it, it, it's supposed to work. 
Solomon warned, he said, The man that wandereth out of the way of understanding shall remain in the congregation of the dead. In Proverbs 21:16, Most of the churches in our once glorious nation are now such congregations, for they have left the word of God for fables and entertainment, according to 2 Timothy 3, 4 through 7. You may be saved from this horrible death of ignorance by taking careful heed to the more sure word of Scripture, which is as a light shining in a dark place and which is more sure in its integrity than reports of hearing God's voice from heaven. Second Peter actually 1, 6 through 21 talks about that very thing. So many people are hearing God's voice out of heaven directing Him in some new way. Now, we can all do that, can't we? Just forget the Bible. That's where the Koran came from. A man hearing God's voice from heaven. And look at the problems we have today because of that jihad dying as a martyr because a supposedly holy book tells you to do so but they're no different than we are when we take a word from an angel over this no different whatever you may call yourself whatever group you may associate with if somebody is getting a word from God that is not or does not agree with this, then it's not from God and never will be. The path of the just man extends beyond this life. A day is coming in which he will in which he will know with perfect knowledge. He shall be in the presence of the Lord Jesus. He will know all things until we trust in his shining light and obey what we see and we pray for the spirit of enlightenment. Then when that happens, then God has truly got a hold of your heart. When I ask God for the spirit of enlightenment, and the Scripture tells us I can do this, Ephesians 1, 17 and 18, I ask God for that spirit of enlightenment, then my life will start going in the right way. I'm not telling you that everything will be perfect, but I am telling you that you can understand what's going on in your life. You can understand why you have to deal with what you have to deal with if you ask God for the spirit of enlightenment. None of us are perfect. None of us have it all together. All of us still deal with a carnal nature. All of us still have to fight battles. Every one of us do. It doesn't matter who you are, how long you've been in church. You still will fight battles. But when you are enlightened by the Word of God, you will find yourself in, in, in an attitude of joy and peace, even though you're in the midst of the hardest trial that you could ever imagine. You can still find the joy in all of it. Path of the just is this a shining light. Thank God for that path, and thank God that we can continue to walk therein. Proverbs 4.19, The way the wicked is, is as darkness. They know not at what they stumble. <clears throat> I'll say that one again. The way of the wicked is as darkness, and they know not at what they stumble. Can I say something in uh, total confidence to you? The stupidity of the human race sometimes gets on my nerves. Especially this present generation. Now think about it. You know, due to the depravity of, of their hearts, the ignorance of their minds, they live in total darkness as to truth and wisdom. They, they keep hurting themselves with what they cannot see, and their lives have become more and more dysfunctional each passing day. Solomon concluded a parallelism here. He said in the, in the previous proverb, he described the life of a just man as a shining light which increases until the full light of the day is seen in 418. Now, as a man learns and applies truth and wisdom, God gives him more understanding in the same way as sunrise chases away darkness and eventually brings broad daylight. But the wicked cannot see at all, for they walk in darkness. They do not know why they trip and fall, for they cannot see the errors in their thinking. Their arrogance is a great curse, for there's more hope of a fool than a man who thinks he's right. They rush on in sin until suddenly it shocks them with, with painful results. There are, are many examples of this proverb. Wise men consider the world and go humbly to, to Scripture, lest they become as confused and ignorant as the, those around them. Wise parents will show the world's folly and its painful consequences to their children. They'll, they'll show them that if they're smart. God, <laughs> mocking idolaters, 
Now think about this. Take leftover wood and they worship it. God-mocking idolaters take leftover wood and they worship it. They have a lie in their right hand and they cannot let go, according to Isaiah 44, 9 through 20. Now what men do not love, or when men rather, do not love the truth, they are offered... God sends them strong delusions to believe a lie and be damned. 2 Thessalonians 2, 9 through 12. He deceives prophets to teach lies. And when a man comes with idols in his heart, Ezekiel 14, 1, 11, I read that earlier, he sent a lying spirit to Ahab who had chosen wickedness. 1 Kings 22, 19 through 20. These are men, these are men who are, are simply what I said, God-mocking idolaters. Idolatry in the heart. It's not a matter, again, of putting up a wooden idol or one of stone or metal. It doesn't matter. It's a matter of what's here. More idols, more idols are of us. We make ourselves into idols, and we do that within our own hearts. It's what's good for us. It's the selfishness and the selfish attitude that we have that creates that kind of attitude and spirit. I want you to consider consider this. That's what my wife was mentioning earlier. The lazy fool pampers himself by sleeping in. But he is frustrated that he cannot afford anything. Proverbs twenty one twenty five. Okay? He's frustrated. Think about this. The fornicator thinks he has found the ultimate pleasure until he wakes up the loneliest man on earth. Proverbs 5, 4 and 5. The modern mother chooses to coddle her children rather than train them. But they disgrace her to shame. Proverbs 29:15. All adults in here, right? Listen good, ladies. A prudish woman defrauds her husband of sex and she wonders why he becomes bitter. 1 Corinthians 7, 1 through 5. You think about what I'm saying. The lustful fool dates a woman for her body, but he cannot understand why how he wound up in this marital hell that he's in. Politicians get elected by offering welfare, but are confused by reductions in productivity and increase of outlays. The carnal Christian watches TV every night, but he blames a pastor for a boring sermon. The modern woman aborts two unborn babies, but she suffers a nervous breakdown when her neighbors get in a fight. Now, it's, these are true things. The evolutionist teaches man came from monkeys, but he wants police protection from the baboons in the hallway. <laughs> the intellectual rejects the idea of a creator and ends up following... Freud's insane infatuation with his own bodily waste. And that's true, too, if you get to looking into some of it. Do you think the world is getting more enlightened, folks? Is, it, is that what we think? Or only, only the, the educated of the past few generations could believe in evolution. Only, and I wouldn't want to say idiots, but I didn't because my wife gets upset with me. So I wouldn't say educated idiots of the past few generations could believe in evolution. So I just said educated of the past few generations. Only the true, truly blind could admire some of the modern art that's out there. Not truly. Only the true darkened could read Nietzsche. Paul warned that evil men and seducers would get worse and worse. 2 Timothy 3.13 The moral decline of mankind is obvious. Simply view its art, listen to its music, read its books, watch its youth, count its divorces, measure its contentment, calculate its chemical dependency, and number its suicides. That's all you have to do to find out where we're living right there. That's all. There is light in Scripture. They can save you from the insanity of the world. Listen to the psalmist. The word is a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Psalm 19 and 8. Oh, send out thy light and thy truth. Lead them. Let them lead me. Let them bring me into thy holy hill and to thy tabernacle. Psalm 43 and 3. There is light in the Proverbs. For the commandment is a lamp 
and the law is light and reproofs of instructions are the way of life in 623 Isaiah wrote to the law and to the testimony if they speak not according to this word it is because there is no light in them Isaiah 8 and 20 the Bible is better than God's voice from heaven we have also a more sure word of prophecy whereunto you do well that you take heed as into a light that shineth in a dark place unto the day dawn and the day star arises in your heart 2 Peter 1 19 Jesus Christ is the light of the world but only those drawn by him the elect ever come to this light he was a stone of stumbling to most in 1 Peter 2 8 which the apostles continue by not modifying the gospel 1 Corinthians 1 through 24 God had foretold this darkness and Jesus justly perpetuated it and if you can comprehend Jesus Christ it is by God's free mercy, according to Matthew eleven twenty five. You must oh, you must be born again for prior to regeneration. A man cannot see or hear anything spiritual. First Corinthians two fourteen. I love this scripture. I thought we would throw that in here. I'm running out of time anyway. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. You cannot understand God outside of being full of the Holy Ghost. You cannot understand how God is working in your life unless you keep those fires burning within your heart all the time. That is the right thing. That is the right thing. The only way we can understand. Let, let, me, let me challenge you as you stand with me. Let me challenge you this to this one thing. Let God, let God arise. According to the psalmist, he said this, let God arise. Let God arise in your heart. Don't keep pushing him down. Grab hold of the truth. Live the right kind of life. And, and let him be the light to your path. Let his word be a light unto your path. And if you do that, you will find yourself growing and understanding more and more all the time. Now, probably I'm not going to finish up Proverbs 4. We're going to go to Proverbs 5 next week because I've taken too much time. But uh, you've got the gist of what Proverbs 4 is really trying to say. Let us, let, let's, let's, let's understand this. God is, I'm certainly not trying to to uh, knock down your understanding of the Bible, but sometimes we need to understand that God does uh, pass judgment on those who will not receive truth, and thus they are confused because they feel like that everything should be going their way. This is why, you've, if you've ever noticed, why you see some people who can, can seemingly get all kinds of good things from God and yet the person sitting next to them can't get anything. When you look at them on the outward, you may think, well, they're the same. They're doing the same thing. But you do not know what's hidden in the heart. You do not know what God is trying to do to get this person who may be sitting there who's under judgment, who's reaping, if you would, constantly reaping over and over and over again. And you can't understand why that's going on. But you don't understand that this one person has prayed, God, I'm, I, I don't want to remain the same. But he's got something he's not accepting from God, a way that he should be, a way that he should be living that he's not accepting. And God has placed him under judgment so that he can see what he needs to do and take care of the situation so that he can be freed. That's the reason the Bible says to lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily besets us. Weights keep us from growing. I said, I've said used this analogy before. I used to dive a lot. You you put a weight put a weight belt on. It weighed 18 pounds. And when I jumped in the wind, I went down pretty fast. When I came up, I had to work twice as hard. I put on 20 or 22 pounds of lead around my middle. I'm talking about lead, not anything else. Okay. If you go down, the, the quickest way to get up is take the lead off, and then you'll come up in a hurry. And it's the same way with us. You want to get up. You want to get up to where the light is. You're going to kick the lead off. And the lead is just simply this. You better be obedient. That's the only way to get and be what you need to be. Let's raise our hands to the Lord. Father, we thank you for your blessings, your goodness, your mercy. Bless and keep each and every one. Strengthen them. Be with them. And God, allow them to see, Jesus, what you're trying to say in your word. Let the light arise in their lives, I pray. Let them not walk in darkness, but Jesus, accept the light of life. I believe, God, that you will do this. We ask it in Jesus' name. I pray now. Amen. Amen. Lord, bless you.